Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here, Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. I just want to say up front, I'm doing this in a spirit of love and compassion, but also the truth. You've certainly seen the story by now of the trans couple who have given birth to a baby and they're trying to nurse the baby unsuccessfully. That's going to be the subject of this Hidden Headlines. I'm going to give you the backstory on this, which the media is just not talking about in a moment. For those of you who are Christians or Bible-believing Jews, you would have to admit, it's as if right now Satan is conducting a full-on, full-court press, to use a basketball analogy, on society. And for those of you who aren't necessarily Christians or Bible-believing Jews— you too would have to admit what we're seeing right now is absolutely bizarre. So we'll go down this road and try to do it as gently and as fact-filled as possible. Thanks for joining me. Okay, let's begin with the story involving the transgender couple giving birth. I've actually had to re-record this first segment several times because it's so confusing. But I want to give you the truth. I want to give you the facts, the hidden headlines. So in this clip, which you've likely seen, uh, this family can be seen snuggling in bed under a multicolored blanket shortly after the child's birth. The child was gestated in Ahanu's body. And there's Ahanu lying topless, postpartum belly exposed, by the side of Petrona, who's holding the child up to the chest. And Ahanu asks, are they getting any milk? The baby is not getting any milk. And Ahano says, well, that's okay. I've not been able to produce any milk, but I'm going to supplement the feeding with formula. What you don't know and what the media is refusing to tell you is that Ahano, the mother of the, well, the birth giver of this child who (laughs) is claiming to be the father? Question mark. Ahanu, who gave birth to the child, is a biological woman. A biological woman. So it's not as if a man, a biological male, who became a woman is giving birth. Ahanu is, in fact, a biological male who goes about as a female. Are you with me here? The media is not telling you that part of the story. The media is not telling you a lot of things about this particular trend, which I'm going to tell you in just a moment. A trend which makes up, according to the best statistics I could find, 0.6% of the population, maybe less, maybe a little more, especially since it's being so promoted by Hollywood and uh, other media sources. It it may be more now, but 0.6% is the best data I've been able to find. It's just amazing, isn't it? 0.6% of the population, and this is the big topic 
everywhere. The big topic everywhere. And we want equality for the transgender. We want special bathrooms for the transgender. And I'm thinking to myself, what about handicapped people of all sorts? Uh, They are a significant percentage of the population. When it comes to bathroom access, we should be thinking of them first. Biological males who identify as transgender. Besides doing it the way Ahanu did it, biological female, posing as a man, has a baby. Some of these transgender people have sought to have uteruses of dead women placed inside their bodies and connected to their surgically replicated neo-vaginas so that they may gestate and give birth to human young. Doctors have actually undertaken this operation. This is absurd. This is a fantasy of reality. This is Frankensteinian. Uh, As a Jewish person, I'm thinking of Joseph Mengele and all the bizarre, horrid operations he conducted on women specifically with that part of their body. Let me give you another statistic. 27,000 people filled out a U.S. transgender survey. 59% of trans people said they were avoiding using bathrooms because they were afraid of their safety. I would say this is likely easily solved by just using a stall. Then no one would really know anything. I mean, if you're a man who's posing as a woman or is a transgender woman, but you've still got male parts, just use the stall. And, and vice versa. That's where you can get maximum privacy. And people might say, well, that's, that's really unfair because... What if the stalls are filled? Well, it doesn't matter if if you're anybody and you have to do that kind of business and the stalls are filled. What do you do? You simply wait. There's also the case of a Virginia school board that was trying to prevent a trans student from using the boys' bathroom. And we also have situations where trans boys want to use the girls' bathroom. And I can see nothing but serious problems with that, as can you. So where do I want to go with this? I want to go into the spiritual. I want to go back to Genesis, first book in the Bible. Chapter 1, verse 27. God says, or the Word says, that God made them male and female. Now, no matter how hard some people try, you can't wish away this fundamental physical reality. And quite frankly, as you learn, that's a good thing. Again, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, God made them male and female. Male and female, he made them. You know, this radical individualism that we're seeing right now, 
casts off all moral restraints in order to achieve maximum pleasure, maximum happiness. I can do whatever I want. This perspective has influenced how many people view even their bodies. The body is not made by God for his glory. What's the chant we've heard on the streets regarding abortion? My body, my choice. Use it, abuse it, do whatever you want. This is a total pagan idea. Now, the Bible, the Bible teaches a very different perspective. Our manhood, our womanhood, it's not incidental. It's not an accident. It's been given to us by God as a gift. We inhabit our God-created bodies as vessels of delight, temples of what? The Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Men and women are one kind. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 39, we're one kind, but we're not the same. And that's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. Scripture indicates, and quite frankly, common sense shows that men and women are different anatomically. We have different body parts. Not only do we have different body parts, but we, we think differently. Even non-Christian scientists have recognized the bodily differences of the sexes. When I, when I go to the doctor's office, they want to know, are you male or female? Now, I, ha I have no idea how it works with trans people. But a doctor wants to know, what are you? It's going to make a difference in the way they treat you. How were you born? That's what the doctors want to know. But it's, it's things like, and these are not little things, these are big things. Men, on the average, have 10 times more testosterone than women. That's why when it comes to women's sports, when a, when a guy, biological male, who's identifying as a woman, competes in women's sports, they beat him big time. And if I were a gal who's worked very, very hard in my athletic endeavor, and I'm beaten by this guy... I'd be, I'd be mad. I almost said something else. <laughs> I'd be PO'd. And we're distinctly emotional too. What does the Bible say? In Colossians 21, it says, Fathers, don't provoke your children. Why? Because the Bible says, if you provoke them, you will embitter them. They'll get ticked off. And then who knows what they'll do. And men are different than women when it comes to that. Oh, sure, I've, I remember the times when my wife raised her voice and more at our children. But guys can take it a step farther. farther. We, can, we could get physical. And if we get physical, it could get out of hand. And that could really embitter your child. It could, it could harm them for the rest of their lives, as some of you know, because some of you may have been in that situation. Our differences are considerable. Our differences are God-given. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, even, even the way that we fit together in a sexual sense, this was created by God. 
And we complement each other in this particular way and in ways, in so many more ways. And we owe this to God's original design. He created Adam, but what does the Bible say in Genesis 2? There was not a helper fit for him. So the Lord, in his kindness and in his wisdom, made Eve. And she instantly delighted Adam when God brought her to him. And what does the Bible say? Well, Adam said this, This is now the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. Her womanhood did not escape Adam. It captivated him. So Satan's been angry ever since. Satan always tries to usurp God and the created order. He took the form of a serpent to entice man and woman in Genesis 3. Adam was the head of his wife. But he relinquished his headship when he allowed Satan to tempt his wife. Now, I look at this headship, this this Adam being the head of his wife, I don't look at it as domination. I don't look at it as the mean, evil boss. I just look at it this way. When things are hitting the fan in life and... Lord knows some of us have been there. I need to cinch up my belt and make the firm decisions. I need to take responsibility for what's going on with my family. I need to take responsibility when the finances have seemed to run very, very low. And I will just be honest with you. There are times when, because I know my wife's strengths and I know my wife's weaknesses, I will say to her, listen, on this particular issue, I seriously need you to take over. Give me your advice. Tell us what we should do. Well, that's that's just good leadership. So Adam was, in that particular regard, the head of his wife, but he relinquished his headship when he allowed Satan to tempt his wife and when when he let his wife lead him to eat that forbidden fruit. And while she was duped about the consequences of her rebellion, she knowingly led her husband into this sin of disobedience. Adam was right there. He was a participant. Instead of saying, no, Eve, we can't do that, he went along with the program. He had a responsibility to spiritually protect his wife, and he failed He failed, paving the way for Eve to disobey God. So Adam's failure led to Eve's, and both of them, both of them were held guilty by the Lord. Western culture in particular is making good on this rebellion. Again, it's as if Satan is on a full court press right now. This rebellion denies the distinctness of divine creation. It tears down the uniqueness of the sexes. It rebels against the lordship of Jesus. The wisdom and design of God is totally rejected. And the word of God, the word of God, the Bible, in some, is just totally rejected, reviled, in fact. But what we've seen over the last 50 years is amazing because 
we have watched as our society has fashioned a brave new world, so to speak. Feminism was first, and then the sexual revolution. Those transformed the American home. I mean, it's all over television and has been for decades. Many men have lost any sense of responsibility for their family. They're tuned out. They're passive. They're self-focused. What do we see today in the comedies? All the men are pretty much dorks. What do you see in commercials today? All of the women are taking a position of authority. Now, I have no problem with women in authority, but when they're the dominant feature in all the commercials doing all the heavy-duty talking, for the most part, this is a propaganda war being fronted by the media at large. And then many women feel great tension between their career and their home. They're told by secular lifestyle magazines. They're told by the media at large. They're told by colleagues, you have to pursue the perfect work balance life. And it's driving many women crazy. These troubling developments represent phase one, so to speak, of the transformation of men and women. Phase two is the homosexual movement. And this started in the 80s. And I'll never forget here in California, in the 80s, 90s, oh, no, 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 we don't want marriage. We're not interested in marriage. They were going for civil unions. But, you know, it's one of those deals. It's the slippery slope. And it's all calculated. Moral restraints and moral constraints of this biblical worldview have been cast aside, cast off. Romantic love, which is filled in the Bible. The Bible's filled with romantic love between men and women. Now it's just a feeling. Now it has no duties. It has no enduring commitment. If the feeling of love dies out between a man and a woman, well, then the relationship's over. Listen, I've been married for many years. There have been times where the love has waned for a moment, but we hang together because we have a commitment. We made a vow. And when we hold true to those vows and that commitment, the love returns and flourishes and, quite frankly, can be greater than ever. And likewise, likewise, phase three of this whole thing, the body is now recast. Transgender ideology is grounded in this idea that the body isn't really an essential part of our being. Our gender identity can be fluid. A man can be trapped, they say, in a woman's body. So what happens? Transgender people often opt for reconstructive surgery so that their identity fits with their body. And I would say this is medical malpractice, but that's just me. That's just me. And what happens to, and I've, I know of, I've, I've met people like this. They made the transition physically through surgery to go from man to woman. And then they had a moment of enlightenment, if you will, change, whatever the case may be. And they said, oh my gosh, no, I'm, I'm not a woman. I'm a man. I'm a man. And for them, there's, there's, there's quite a challenge. 
But this trend is building momentum today. We're witnessing the undoing of the most basic realities of God's created order. And I believe the devil is going, yeah, me, me. I'll show you, God, you made man and woman. (laughs) Watch this. This is moral anarchy. It's spiritual anarchy. There's nothing more essential to our lives than, quite frankly, our manhood or womanhood. To reject this reality is to embrace total chaos. And the rates of suicide among transgender people. Well, they say, I mean, this is a Wall Street Journal report. The suicide rate among transgender individuals, which make up 0.6% of the population, but the, the rate of suicide among these people is 20 times higher than the normal population. That should make your heart ache. That should make you want to cry. This is chaos. God, in his sovereign wisdom, has opened our eyes to see that he has made us according to his perfect design. This is what the Bible says. Manhood and womanhood aren't just just an idea. God himself made us as we are. We are the pinnacle of his creation. I mean, I know that the ocean and the mountains and the forests and, and some of the animals are just enchantingly beautiful, but we are the pinnacle of his creation. And it's so sad to see that in some quote-unquote evangelical settings, it's increasingly acceptable to teach that man and woman, humanity, isn't that special. Adam and Eve weren't literally the first man and the first woman. They were just selected from a group of homo sapiens to represent humanity. The bodily differences between men and women, come on, are real. And we must teach these things to our children. They must see that being a boy or a girl is a matter of God's glory. I love to see one of my little granddaughters with her nails painted. It's it's awesome. She's 10 years old. <laughs> Within a day or two, they get all chipped up. But the point is, she really likes being a girl. She really likes being a woman. And there should be no shame in boys liking boyish things or girls adopting girlish behaviors. We should regularly remind our kids that it was God who made them as they are. We should encourage them to embrace and assume womanhood or manhood. Regarding manhood, what did David say in 1 Kings chapter 2? He said to his son Solomon, "Prove your, he said, be strong and prove yourself a man. If we don't teach our kids about gender and sexuality, guess what? The culture will. And by the way, for those who are struggling in this area, we must reach out in compassion and, and lead them to repentance. Lead them through. This can take time. This requires patience. This requires love. And even though we may feel uh, a very strong response to sin and its effects, we need to show our mercy to people who are lost. Gosh, 
I hope that people who are listening to this critical of me will get to 23 minutes, 24 minutes into this podcast, because I'm going to say it again, and it needs to be heard. We need to reach out in compassion and love. We must, we must show mercy to these people, these lost souls. Just as, it's not just transgender, it's not people with, with these sexual identities. It's, okay, what about the, what about the guy who's guilty of, of sinning against his wife? Okay, I will show that man mercy. And I will show that man that he is wrong and that he needs to repent. Likewise with a woman who's cheated on her husband. They need to be led into a point lovingly where they see that they're wrong and they repent. It's the same for all sorts of sins, right? Any sort of sin. Sin has corrupted every fiber of our being. That's what it says in Isaiah chapter 64, Old Testament. But the love of Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit is stronger than sin. Jesus' death washes us clean, white as snow, and the resurrection gives us life. And when we embrace that and repent of our sins, God gives us his Holy Spirit to make us strong in the face of sin. I'm going to share some final thoughts here. And they're from the Bible, Genesis 1.27, which we've talked about before, but I'm going to read it to you one more time. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. Jesus reiterated these words in stating that a God-ordained marriage is one between a man and a woman. That's, that's what Jesus said. You can't run, you can't hide. That's what he said. He said this in Matthew 19, verse 4 and 5. He said this, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning, he's talking about God, his Father, that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now that's, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said, quoting his father. In the book of Genesis, he said this again in Matthew 19. I can hear the words of Satan right now saying, I will be like the most high. I will be like the Most High. In fact, he actually did say something like that in Isaiah 14. I'll get to that in just a moment. But he's saying this right now in his orchestration of this mad push for same-sex marriage and the transgender movement. This is one way in which he believes he can usurp the power of God. Satan will not ultimately prevail here. Not at all. I'm going to go to Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. It's talking about Lucifer, Satan. How you are cut down to the ground, 
who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But then Isaiah says in this prophecy, but you are brought down to Sheol, hell, Hades, the underworld, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. You see, my friends, Bible scholars believe that passage of Scripture gives us an insight into the rebellion of Satan against God. He being created an angel, wanted to be God. And this was the beginning of a warfare that continues to this day. Because in the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 6, we read this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan is alive and well. All the more reason to turn to the living God. Hidden Headlines. Faith, Family, Freedom. I'm Brian Sussman. I hope that this major construction project going on next door has not interrupted this podcast in any way, shape, or form. Thank you for joining me, my friends. Really appreciate you. More on me at briansussman.com. I will also be posting some of the links to the articles that have been so helpful to me in producing this podcast. God bless you, my friends. God bless the United States of America. And until next time, we will see you.